There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, Rams fans. Good evening, if you're listening to English Boy 3K. Another episode of Tertio Radio. Myson is still down for the count. He'll be back uh, in a couple weeks to rejoin us here on Tertio Radio. I'm going to be joined by Joey O in a little bit. He's somewhere in L.A. trying to get to a spot to call in. We'll ask him what the hell he's doing, where he's at, and what kind of activities he is involved in. Maybe we don't want those details. But we got plenty to cover. Uh, 2018 draft is in the books. Uh, really interesting class for the Rams. Um, obviously had to wait a couple couple days to get involved until we got to the end of day two. Traded back from 87 to 89. Took Joseph Noteboom out of TCU. Uh, interesting pick with uh, Andrew Whitworth obviously up there in age and Rob Havenstein getting into a contract year. There's no real long-term certainty at the position, so Nobu uh, offers him an out. We'll have to see how he develops. Uh, and obviously, it's the luxury pick where they don't really need to plug him in this year. So I don't know how much time we're going to see him, but we'll get him at rookie minicamp next week. We'll talk about the off-season schedule in a little bit. And then, uh, obviously, we'll see him in uh, training camp and in the preseason. We'll see what kind of a guy we got in Noteboom. Followed that up with another offensive lineman, Brian Allen, at number 111 overall, center out of Michigan State. I know a lot of people weren't too thrilled by the pick. I like it. Same, same situation as uh, John Sullivan at center. Not the youngest guy. Got him for another two years contractually on a new deal that he signed this year. Glad he got paid. Uh, but I like the idea that they, they've got some options for the future now that they can slow play as they're going to have to remake this offensive line on the fly. We'll talk to Joey about that in a minute. Uh, John Franklin Myers. That one was a bit of a surprise at 135 out of Stephen F. Austin, somebody that played the uh, – the draft schedule right to help his stock. And then into round five, some really popular picks. Micah Kaiser, inside linebacker out of Virginia. Obaniah Okoronkwo out of Oklahoma, edge rusher everybody loves. And then into the sixth round, you got John Kelly running back out of Tennessee. Jamil Denby from Maine, again, another guy who played his uh, process right to help his stock. Sebastian Joseph, the defensive lineman out of Rutgers. Trevin Young, uh, outside rusher from Louisville. And then our round seven guys, Trevin Howard out of TCU and Justin Lawler defensive end out of SMU. I thought it was a really good class. I think I ranked it a B plus when I gave it a grade. The grade, I mean, obviously grades are silly, so it doesn't really matter. The bigger thing with the, the draft class is that it was a really low diff, degree of difficulty draft. The Rams are set up uh, for success already with the roster that they've got. When you've got Dominican Sue, Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald, Mark Barron, Akib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, John Johnson, and LaMarcus Joyner, your, your roster need at linebacker isn't really all that badly needed. You're already set up. Uh, and so the, the Rams didn't really need to do anything in the draft. They could just wait and 
let some guys come to them and pick the talents that they felt uh, were most applicable to their future. And we'll have to see if uh, that's what they got, but I like the approach. I like the strategy. And I think uh, they did the best they could, all things considered and, and avoided the temptation to trade up. What'll, what'll be interesting is as we get into next year uh, to see how things look, because the roster is going to take a big hit this window. I posted a story yesterday about Jared Goff's contract extension in light of Matt Ryan's super deal. If you didn't see, became the first $30 million man, five-year deal, $150 million. Uh, first $30 million man in the NFL. I think that's a bit of a game changer, although it's just one of those things that we're going to see grow and grow. Uh, the NFL salary cap continues to rise. The quarterback market continues to rise. And because of that, young guys are going to get paid, and Goff's going to be one of them. We'll get to that in a minute and look at some of these contracts. But uh, in terms of the way that it's set out for this draft, it just meant that they didn't have to do anything right now. They did everything they needed to do prior to this. Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters, Brandon Cooks, and Dominican Sue. They played the pre-draft process with the aggression that a lot of teams use for the draft. Um, so we'll see. I'm excited about uh, this roster. I'm excited about how things look. They got an interesting UDFA group. Um, LaQuiviante Gonzalez, who started at Texas A&M before going to Kansas and then ended up at Southeastern. Ricky June out of Georgia Tech. He's a big guy and maybe a Brian Quick type. We'll have to see what he does in the red zone once we get into rookie minicamp and into training camp. Jeremiah Colon out of San Jose State. Curtis Michael from Southern Miss, the cornerback. McKay Murphy, another defensive lineman who started out at Utah before going to Weaver State. Stephen Mitchell, wide receiver at USC, local product that I'm sure a lot of people have seen. And then T. Gray Scales, linebacker at Indiana. Not the biggest dude, but obviously tons of production, and people are going to love that pick. And then a late signing, um, I think it was announced yesterday. It was either yesterday or Thursday. Um, it was yesterday. We picked up uh, Ramon Richards out of Oklahoma State, played with Kevin Peterson, who's also on the Rams. So got a, got a lot of new talent to play with, a couple guys to come in who have some opportunity when you talk about those guys on the outside, Obaniah, Okoronkwo, Trevin Young, maybe Micah Kaiser on the inside. It's going to be interesting to see how they set up that defense because the Rams don't need a ton of starters. Um, if you're looking at playing Nikhil Roby Coleman, you're probably only looking at two linebacker spots alongside Mark Barron. And we talked about it before the draft. I had a piece that looked at the linebacker depth chart before we even got to the draft. And, and I, I'm not sure, as much as I like Micah Kaiser and Tigray Scales and even Okoronkwo, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some combination of Corey Littleton, Matt Longacre, um, whomever you want to plug on the outside. Yeah, obviously, Samson Abukum. Um, that that may prevent any of the rookies from getting any starts, at least in the beginning of the season. We may see something kind of similar to what we saw John Johnson uh, go through last year under Wade Phillips, where it takes a couple weeks for him to earn that spot, and maybe somebody surpasses Longacre or Bukum by week six, week seven, week eight, whether it's Okoronkwo or somebody else. But I, I'm just not uh, I'm not sure that the rookies should be plugged in immediately the way some people are assuming. We'll have to see. Uh, but I like the class, like the way it sets up. Uh, it makes her an interesting off-season schedule. Uh, if you guys haven't seen the schedule, let me go ahead and pull that up. Things are getting going next week with the uh, rookie minicamp. We've announced uh, OTAs and all that stuff. McVay, Sean McVay, Rams head coach, said they're not going to use the rookie minicamp like a traditional minicamp. It's going to be more of a tryout session. So that should be interesting. Here's his quote. 
We'll have something more similar to a tryout camp. That will be in a couple of weeks. You look at some of the people that we envision adding to really get us around that 87 to 88, and then you got a couple spots to get up to your 90-man roster allotment. I think we'll use that as an opportunity to see if we can find some spots just based on the numbers and how we want to allocate that 90 over the course of some of the different positions. So it's going to be a little bit more of a tryout than a traditional mini camp, but we'll get our first look at the new guys and how everybody looks and who responds to what, and maybe we'll get some quotes around which players are impressing. That's next week, rookie minicamp May 11th through 12th, uh, as we go through phase two, which started April 30th, all the way through May 20th. And then things really kick up a little bit in phase three. That's May 21st through June 17th. You've got OTAs sprinkled throughout that month long uh, session, May 21st and 22nd, May 24th, May 29th, 30th, 31st, and June 4th through the 7th. I'll post this link uh, in the story on the site. Uh, that gets followed up by the mini camp, uh, June 12th to 14th. And then we shut things down for about a month and a half until we get to training camp. Um, so it, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. We got about a month and a week from now, May 5th, as we record this, uh, to see what happens. But uh, let's get Joey on here to talk about things. Joey, what's going on, man? Hey man, what's going on? Good, uh, good to be on the show. So where 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 are you headed? I said I know you said you were on the road. Are you in LA or are you out of town? Well, you know, I just arrived in Palm Springs, California. Lovely. And it's a nice ninety-seven degrees. Yeah, scorcher. I love Palm Springs. Um, I also yeah, love yeah, losing. Cool. I love losing money in Palm Springs. Is how I should uh, rephrase that. One too many. Yeah, one too you, many trips to, to the casinos. Have you been to Morongo? I've been to the Morongo several times. It's yeah. a lovely place that have... owes me, or I, I guess it doesn't owe me anything, but I'm glad to have funded some of the job creation out there east of L.A. Um, what do you think? I'll, I'll recap the draft. What do you think about the draft, Holm? You know what? I, uh, I'm happy with it. I mean, I, I was surprised that the players that we got dropped to where they fell. And I thought, you know, there's definitely guys that I wanted that, you know, we didn't get. Because that's, that's what it's all about, those mock drafts. You just kind of have to burn them up. But, um, you know, I thought getting Osbo in the um, – that's, that's what we're calling him, right? We're calling him – is that his nickname that we're, we're, we're using? Works for me. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the fact that, you know, he, he fell in the fifth round uh, I thought was good. I thought the fact that we even got uh, – Scales undrafted was yeah. was a, was a big surprise because he was a guy that I was seeing on mock drafts that I, you know I, I was watching his tape and kind of getting excited about drafting him and the fact that we just got him without even using a draft pick was a surprise. I, I don't know if other teams were valuing our needs as much as we were. If that makes sure. sense, yeah. It just feels like maybe other teams have had different route that they were going but the 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 linebackers and the the depth on on offensive line it really kind of worked out for us i mean i don't know if we knew exactly that that's what that that's what the rams are going to do in the sense of start out the draft and 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 really trying to solidify the depth of the offensive line i don't know if that was what we knew for sure was going to be their strategy but i mean that's definitely what happened right yeah and the good thing was you know 
there was no way to screw it up early on simply because we didn't have any picks. When you look ahead to next year where we've got a first rounder, whatever our needs yep. are, people, people are going to be demanding that we hit a need with that pick. So it was, it was a unique situation where number one, the roster is already so damn good. And then number two, yeah. because we were waiting, it was a luxury position that I'm glad to have been able to enjoy. And like you said, they got some interesting pickups from the UDFAs. And it's going to be interesting to see everybody get to camp. Um, we'll have to see this next period where you've got rookie mini camp next week, OTAs, and then the, the break before uh, we get into training camp. I, I, don't, I don't know how yeah. much we're going to hear about these guys. Obviously, rookie mini camp is going to be a thing, but it, it really is what you talked about in your piece when you said, you know, Les Need was essentially in win now mode. And I think that was before the Brandon Cooks move. I got to go back and look at the date on that. I think, I think you might have written that in the middle of some of the moves before they even finished things up. Are, are you comfortable? Is there any kind of discomfort with calling this a Super Bowl or bust season for you? I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable with it. I mean, I think that you look at teams that we should be now thinking we're like, which is, I feel like the Patriots, the Steelers, um, I even think even the Eagles now, the Falcons, they consider their season a bust if they don't win the Super Bowl. And right. that's what we need to think about now is that we can't be happy with getting into the playoffs, that a victory now is a Super Bowl. And it's a new way of thinking, especially with this, with this franchise as of late, but it's also sure. an exciting way of thinking, and it's great. Um, and I don't think we need to kind of waver on that too much. I, I, I think, you know, we would just enjoy, enjoy the highs because – this team has what it takes to compete, especially I think in the NFC that um, you could probably safely say that the Eagles are the team to beat, but I think we're, we're all, we're, we're right up there. Yeah. It's interesting. That's going to be something I talk about as the season gets closer is that the expectations are obviously there in terms of how good this team is, but I do wonder that satisfaction level, like you talk about, are, are people going to be comfortable making a run, maybe winning a playoff game or two, and then losing in the NFC Championship, is that going to be satisfactory? Or is it really one of those things where if we don't win the Super Bowl, regardless of what happens, it's not going to be enough? I, th- I think that's one of the interesting ways to set up for this season. I think the other thing is because they've made these moves, um, I-, I wonder in retrospect how much we're going to look at this window c- b- because it's it's not like um, – you know, if you're the Eagles, you, you're, you've kind of played this through the gradual build of your roster, right? The Rams over the last two seasons have just thrown all this new talent, you know, Andrew Whitworth, John Sullivan, Nikel Roby Coleman, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, and now Brandon Cooks and Dominican Sue and Keith Tlaib, where they've just flooded everything into this tiny window where – I, I wonder if we don't get a Super Bowl out of it, if we're going to look back and say, you know, almost like, you know, the Buffalo Bills back in the 90s or, uh, you know, one of these other teams where you look at and say, yeah, they just wasted it. And I wonder if maybe at the time we'll be okay with it. But when we look back, we're going to say, man, we had a big opportunity that we really shouldn't have squandered if eventually we don't end up winning a Super Bowl. Right. And, and so much, I think, of the satisfaction of the fans with the team I think it's going to be how the big-time players play. Because yeah. we had the fortunate circumstance of having Jared Goff having a huge second-season bump. We had Todd Gurley put it together in, like, week three or week four. 
Um, you remember he started out the season similar to how he was in the previous season where we were like, sure. is, does, does Gurley, is he, is he our guy? And now, of course, we're like, of course he's our guy. And I think the whispers or even just the fact that Jared Goff is not getting as much respect as other quarterbacks that are like top level. Um, I think some people are, are kind of, I think, whispering that maybe he, he's going to have a, um, a little bit of a slump or just maybe not, not be as great. Or, you know, maybe some of the coaching that, you know, Matt LaFleur, like maybe, you know, that was a little more of a success that we're not accounting. And I think what I really want to see with this team is, um, was it a fluke? Are they for real? I think that they are, but I want to see it again. And I just want to see Jared Goff be a successful quarterback for another season to me, it kind of reminds me of when the Indianapolis Colts had Peyton Manning, and they're going sure. through that period where they were winning and they were really good, but they couldn't get over the hump, and they're always losing to the Patriots. And that one AFC championship game when they beat the Patriots and they got to the Super Bowl, you were like, oh, wow, okay, they did it. And it took a lot of seasons. And were all those seasons before when they were losing, were those busts for Colts fans? Probably. But that was the evolution that it took. And I think with the Rams right now is, yeah, like they should win the Super Bowl and they have the talent, but they're also a really young team. And I'm still, you know, I just, I, you have to understand that these players are like 23 years old, some of them. You know, even Brandon Cooks is really young. He's, sure. he's 24, right? Or is he 25? I think he's 24. I think he's 24. Um, yeah. And so the, I, I think that, I'm going to be looking at that field because we spent so much time the past couple months talking about just blowing up this defense and adding all these pieces, and that's exciting. But I want to see this offense do it again. Um, It's just like seeing a really great magic trick. You're like, that was awesome, but let me see it one more time. Yeah, what's going to be fun is that you swap in Brandon Cooks for Sammy Watkins, Everybody else is the same. So there's almost no reason for them not to be able to to get it going again. And, yeah, I just looked up Brandon Cooks. He's turning 25 in September. Um, So you've got all this young talent. Everybody comes back. You do have some slight coaching changes. We'll get to that in the listener questions in a second. To me, if we hadn't made all those big moves, the Brandon Cooks, uh, Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters, and Dominican Sue. To me, the number one story for this season was going to be the development of Jared Goff. Whether he was going yeah. to become like last year, he was a Pro Bowl alternate. Would he develop into a guy that's an automatic Pro Bowl pick? Would he become a guy the same way we talk about like Aaron Rodgers or what you were talking yeah. about with Peyton Manning? Somebody that if if we're down by three points and the, you, our opponent has to kick the ball off with two and a half minutes remaining, you know if you're doing that against Aaron Rodgers that you're already uncomfortable. As soon as, soon as you score and you're like, okay, we got to kick it off, there's two and a half minutes, shit, I really don't want to see Aaron Rodgers do this because we've seen him do it so many times. Is Jared Goff going to turn into that kind of a quarterback where teams are worried about giving him back the ball because they know that he's just that capable in, in the structure of the offense? I don't think he's there yet, and I don't think as successful as the offense was last year, I, I don't know if it's because we didn't win the play in the playoffs or because he didn't have any of those late-game heroics or whatever it is. I just don't feel like he's that kind of a quarterback, and, and I just wonder if, if he doesn't become – if he becomes that guy, then you're talking about, okay, we got a young guy that we've got to seal up. 
If he doesn't, if he's still kind of the same quarterback, how do we feel about that? And how do we feel about keeping him as the guy to run this offense, knowing that this window's this short? Assuming we re-sign Brandon Cooks, you, you've got a window here where they can be really successful. Does he have to become that quarterback? Or do you think we can get by on somebody who's maybe just above average, a, a Pro Bowl alternate type guy uh, in the Jared Goff that we saw last year? Well, you're, yeah, so you're basically saying, like, what happens if he becomes Joe Flacco? Or what happens yeah. if he's even an Alex Smith-type character, which he's not blowing the roof off, but he's not turning the ball over, and he's competent, and he's, he's our starter. Like, we know he's our quarterback. We're not talking about, you know, oh, is, is, is the QB2, is he going to come in? I think right now I feel like, yes, he's definitely our starter, but is he um, – is he going? Is he going? How much is he going to improve? And one thing I learned just by going to the games and sitting there with the uh, season ticket holders is watching the fact that he still looks down his receivers. That that the defenses can read his eyes, and that's yes. a young quarterback thing. And that that's the maturity that I want to see him um, overcome. Is, is is I want to I want to see him being able to. Um, just confidently go go through his radiograph so much, and I think this season was a lot of uh, Coach McVay holding his hand, which he needed, and it worked. But is that how it's going to be three years down the line? Right. Um, is he going? Is he going to pick up some stuff? Is he? How much is he learning from McVay? Hopefully, a lot. And, and is it going to you know be retained in his brain? Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm very interested in seeing how that happens, and it just goes back to your most important storyline, which is the development, the development of Jared Goff. I think it's huge, and especially the cost that it's going to require. Obviously, we're still a couple seasons out, right? Where we've got him under contract for the next two years. If the if the Rams want to, they can use the fifth year option for 2020. But for a quarterback, that's pretty expensive. Um, that it's one of those value questions and we were going to have to see how he plays where as young as he is, if you're going to sign him, he's probably going to cost you $25 million at a minimum at this point. And if he plays better, he's going to earn a bigger contract, but that makes the decision easier. I just wonder, it's one of those things where if he, if, if he, if it first four years of his career, and we're looking at it, like you said, like a Joe Flacco, Alex Smith type, is it worth it to spend that much money when you've got a functional offensive line, when you've got talented wideouts, which the Rams certainly have, when you've got Todd Gurley, maybe the best security blanket at running back for a passing offense in the NFL? Is it worth it to spend that much money on a guy, or do you go some other route, either grabbing a guy in free agency or making another less-need trade for somebody or going back to the draft? It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. In terms of free agent spending, though, the Rams have a couple names in front of them. I'll throw you a couple um, from the list. Todd Gurley, Marcus Peters have already been optioned, uh, so we've got them stuck for the next year uh, under contract for 2019. Uh, Tavon mm-hmm. Austin got traded. Kayvon Webster got released. Here's the list of guys of unrestricted free agents that the Rams have to deal with a year from now. Uh, Jamon Brown, starting right guard. Brandon Cooks, wide receiver. Aaron Donald. <laughs> Dominique Easley, backup defensive end who missed all of last year, got hurt uh, before the season started. Bryce Hager, reserve inside linebacker. Rob Havenstein, starting right tackle. LaMarcus Joyner, who's on the franchise tag, starting safety. Matt Longacre might be your starting left uh, weak side uh, linebacker. Sean Mannion, backup quarterback. 
Roger Saffold, starting left guard. Sam Shields, new cornerback. We'll have to see how, if his career gets going. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it uh, with his concussion history. And Dominick and Sue out here on a one-year deal. And then Ethan Westbrooks and Rameek Wilson, two defenders. We'll have to see how they rotate in. That's a lot of talent that we got to make decisions on. And I, I just don't think you can keep everybody. Where's one guy that you think might be a surprise that we don't re-sign? Because you just can't have all of them. Who, who are you feeling that maybe isn't crucial to the Rams' future? I mean, I, I hate to say it because I like him, but I think I think, um, I think Saffold – Right. Um, or or even or even Havenstein. I think um, it just matters how, how much how much their their price is going to be like in the market. Um, I think I think of the names you say. Like I really want them to just get Brandon Cooks and Donald. You know, put to bed, and if that's possible, you hear whispers that they can handle the Donald deal before the start of the season, and that they have this 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 plan on, on, on even how to kind of get um, right. a long-term deal for Cooks. Maybe you give him, you know, a signing bonus and, you know, he gets money that's put off later um, because they do have more money next year. So to me, the, it's those guys and then LaMarcus Joyner, I think is really important um, for me to stay with the team because I just think he's great. Um, um. And then a lot of those guys, I mean, it just feels like, yeah, it'd be great to have them, but it's depth. You know, it's guys that are working well with the team, but I don't think they're going to cost a lot of money. I don't think Matt Longacre or, you know, Bryce Hager, those type of guys. Um, But, you know, you listed a lot of dudes. And that's when you talk about that kind of win now um, mentality comes a lot about that, those those rookie deals. And I think the NFL is evolving into this sort of – zone where if you got a couple guys that are superstars and they're still in their rookie deals who knows if you're going to keep them i mean the 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 nfl is changing and i and i think a lot of times you can have a player that disappoints you're talking about oh if Jared goff doesn't become who we want him to be um is, is his agent still going to be tone deaf and ask for this ridiculous amount of money and is another team going to pay it and it sure. seems like the nfl go doesn't do that as much as say the NBA does. I mean, the NBA loves to give out bad contracts and they're even stopping that as, as you know, more than they used to. But with the NFL, you got guys like, you know, like the Jaguars surprised me by signing Bortles again, but right. they signed him to a smaller deal. It wasn't like he was getting this kind of fat Matt Ryan contract. You know, it was, it was a little more market value and, I think what the problem to me is more just finding a guy that could play quarterback because there's four or five teams that just don't have an NFL quarterback. And Jared Goff, at least at the end of the day, is an NFL quarterback. Sure. So I'm hoping that at the end of his rookie contract, we do that. You know, worst case scenario, we, we take it to five years and or four if he's really terrible. And, you know, we, we, we move on or, or, or we find a way to get a um, – a more affordable contract with him. But the, if his agent doesn't want to play ball, then, you know, we, we're not just going to be like, well, we drafted him. We gave up all those picks. Now we have to deal with this. Um, I think now teams, especially the Rams are, you know, you look at what they do with Sammy Watkins. They, they eat that second round pick because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, they didn't want to pay him. What was it? 15 million that the chiefs gave him. Something like that. I think it was, 
It might have been Something higher, like but yeah, it was. Okay. I think you're right. He he was 15 and True got more, but yeah, it was. Uh, he got paid. <laughs> and and you know, um, Brandon Cooks right now is not getting paid. And you know, same with guys like Marcus Peters. They're they're on these 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 rookie contracts. So it's going to be interesting to see how much they want. You know, like I think Cooks is going to ask for a lot. I think Marcus Peters should ask for a lot. And, sure. Uh, it's, I mean, who knows how that's all going to get handled, but that's that's next year's problem or, year, or two years down the line. When we get at that new stadium, who knows who's going to be putting on those jerseys, and who knows what those jerseys are going to look like. <laughs> your uni- there you go, your uniform masters. The one elephant in the room that I think is going to be interesting and, and to me is already affecting some talks, especially with respect to Aaron Donald, is the fact that the collective bargaining agreement ends after the 2020 season. So if, if you're Aaron Donald's agent, you don't know yeah. like, like, the way you the way you were just talking about the, that Bortles got a new deal. Uh, we just saw Matt Ryan hit thirty million. We don't know what kind of environment there's going to be for the market after twenty twenty. If you're Aaron Donald and you're trying to negotiate a deal now, and you know that there's a potential for the team to franchise tag you uh, for two thousand nineteen and even twice in a row two thousand nineteen and two thousand twenty, you. It, it doesn't necessarily behoove you to sign a deal beyond 2020 because you may be costing yourself future earnings. And I think that's one of those things where by the time we get there, it, it, I, the, the main reason I put that golf story up was it's worth considering the, the idea that he's playing for his contract extension. Now, while we make these other decisions, we just had a draft for guys that are going to be under contract, Joseph Noteboom, Brian Allen, uh, Okoronkwo, everybody for the next four seasons through 2021. So the Rams are yeah. already dealing with, you know, salary cap outlays that go beyond the CBA, but the guys that they're renegotiating with now, Brandon Cooks, Aaron Donald, maybe LaMarcus Joyner, whomever it is, Marcus Peters, whoever it is, they're, they're already negotiating into that window with a new CBA. And obviously when you talk about Aaron Donald, I don't know that anybody's got more dollars on the table than he does. Let's get to some listener questions, man. We had a couple on Twitter um, from our boy, Mr. Trey B12. First one, which of our linemen is more pro ready, Noteboom or Allen? And do you see either of them in serious contention for Jamon Brown's spot? Which of those two did you like more? I would say I liked, I mean, I, I had to go back and look at tape of uh, Noteboom because I, um, I don't think I saw him in college that much. But, um, I mean, to, to me, he feels like he needs, he, he needs some development. So I, I don't see him next year really kind of um, impressing that much. And that would surprise me if, if he gets the opportunity to be a starter and he's great. I think he, he's the type of guy that is, is a depth guy that hopefully Andrew Whitworth can, um, can be a mentor to. I mean, I think that's how they kind of see that going. In uh, best case scenario, I think I think uh, uh, Brian Allen is more of a plug and play type guy because we kind of I think dodged a bullet last year by getting John Sullivan to play as many sure. games as he did, yep. and so I think by having a guy who you know went to a, a big program at Michigan State is just a big dude at center. To me, I feel like I feel a little a little bit better about going into the season. Going all right, if Sullivan goes down. I feel um, I feel good about Allen getting in there. I mean, it's not what I want. I want to keep Sullivan starting for the Rams, but I like that pickup. I thought that was um, that was a fourth round pick, right? Brian? Yeah, he came in the fourth. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, the value. Be- I think 
go ahead. No, no, go for it. Finish your thought. Uh, yeah, I was just, I was just going to say that, you know, offensive linemen, uh, really, you could find, you find some great guys in, you know, in the middle rounds. I think Jamon Brown, who I'm actually a fan of, I really like him. I like his attitude. I like the fact that he just really wants to get better. Anytime I see him in an interview, it just really feels like I'm rooting for that guy. He was a third round pick. Felt like he really made some strides this season. We were really hard on him, even in the preseason. He was kind of getting blown up a lot in some plays. And so the fact that he just got through the season and he was the undisputed starter, you know, uh, on the offensive line, we weren't worried about him um, getting benched. It, it w- was nice. So, yeah, is he, um, is he guaranteed to keep his job this year? Not if someone better comes along, but I think with who they drafted, I think those guys are depth, and I think, I think Jamon Brown's job is safe. Yeah, but the Rams were one of the only teams, I believe the only team in the NFL that had all five offensive linemen stay healthy all year, and I don't think you can stay, understate the importance of that. I say, or I guess overstate the importance of that. What will be interesting is we've been the healthiest team uh, by some metrics. I know Football Outsiders uses adjusted games lost. Been the healthiest team in the NFL the last two years, so I do worry sometimes about a regression to the mean. One of the things I like about Brian Allen is just his pedigree. He comes from a football family. His older brother, Jack. Uh, played with the Saints the last two years, went on in, uh, injured reserve last year. Younger brother Matt still at a Michigan State. Those are the, it's one of those families where you know the babies are popping out six foot two, two hundred ninety five by the time they're five years old. It's just one of those families, yeah. and Brian's uh, obviously one of those guys. Um, interesting question here from Trey. Another one: least likely veteran defensive lineman to make the roster. I'll, I'll put it like this to you: Ethan Westbrooks, Dominique Easley, Tanzel Smart. Are any of those guys, do you feel that we have to keep, are any of the, whether it's Ethan Westbrook's in, in his performance, Dominique Easley's upside, we saw Tanzel Smart flash some skill. Do, do you feel like we have to keep any of those three, or would you be comfortable just working in uh, some of the rookies, the newer names? I feel like if his knees hold up, I think we got to keep Easley, but Oops. it matters how his health is. If he's healthy, I say keep him. Yeah. Uh, West, Westbrook's, I, I like him if, if he, you know, stays out of trouble. And I think he's, I think he's great for depth. I don't love the fact, I don't love the idea of him starting, but I like the idea of him coming off the bench. Um, smart. Yeah. I mean, I like all three of the guys, but if I think I've had to pick one guy that, um, that we could sub in a new player for, I, I would probably go with smart. Um, love it. I just don't know how high his ceiling is with his talent. Sure. Interesting one here. Uh, we talked about, I mentioned the idea of some coaching changes. Last one from Trey. He had us with a bunch, but I just want to get three from him before we get to some other ones. Who are McVay's new eyes in the sky now that LaFleur is out? I know we have a run and pass coordinator, but who's actually in the skybox reading defenses? So for people who didn't catch it earlier in the offseason, Matt LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, is now the offensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Sean McVay, for whatever reason, wasn't uh, ready to give up the play calling duties. And I think most fans would be okay with that, given how things went in 2017. But, you know, LaFleur's got to worry about his own career and wanted an opportunity to do that. And he's going to get it with Tennessee. So uh, he headed that way. That meant promotions for Aaron Cromer, offensive line coach, who will take over run game coordination duties. And Shane Waldron, tight ends coach, he's going to be the pass game coordinator. Uh, It'll be interesting to see as we get closer to the season how they detail those responsibilities since they won't uh, include play calling that'll still be Sean McVay's job but week to week they'll be involved in designing the run and pass game schemes in terms of who's the eye in the sky I don't really know I mean we 
We haven't really figured that out. Uh, hasn't been any reporting. Um, we did get a couple other changes to the coaching staff. Uh, Zach Taylor, who was an assistant wide receiver coach, um, he's getting promoted to the quarterbacks coach um, with Greg Olson leaving to support John Gruden with the Oakland Raiders. And then we had a Jed Fish out of UCLA. What, do you feel, and, and I talked about this a lot, the idea that we don't really get a good sense of what position coaches do, what assistant coaches do. Do, do, do you have any concerns about the idea that we've lost an offensive coordinator after just one year, that Jared Goff's going to get yet another uh, offensive coaching staff uh, this early in his career, some changes to quarterback coach. Do you worry about those kind of things? Or do you think as long as we've got Sean McVay at the top that, you know, the, that the offense is going to be able to deal with the coaching instability? Yeah, I, exactly. I feel like this is Sean McVay's time and you got guys that are going to be giving him some wisdom. I think it's like a committee of, um, of, of coaches that are, are doing their thing. But I wonder how much Matt Latour kind of felt like he wasn't using a lot of his skill sets as a coach with the Rams. I think, you know, what, what's he, what's he there as, as a sort of insurance policy? If this sure. experiment with McVay didn't work out, was it kind of like just the Rams doing a due diligence? And once it worked out and McVay was great as a coach that, you know, everybody was like, well, you know, do we need this? Where it gets confusing, why I think it's a really great, great question that he posed on Twitter, is that we don't – this is almost like a new frontier with coaching duties and responsibilities with what the Rams are doing. They're, they're changing a little bit of, of, of the rules on, on, on how we think teams function. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch because, no, we don't know who's going to be up in that booth. I mean, I, we can make some guesses. I mean, maybe it's Waldron, maybe it's maybe it's Cromer, maybe they're on the field. I think it's gonna just be something new and different, which is uh, you know kind of exciting. I think it's you know I, I I'm getting I have faith that uh, that McVeigh knows what he's doing, and I and I like that he's being innovative with it. Yeah, I think two things. Number one, you've got this weird setup. And as long as we're having success, it's one of those things that you don't necessarily need to worry about. I, I do wonder how difficult it will be for Sean McVay to bring in uh, guys that are of the caliber of offensive coordinators, like a LaFleur type, if only because he can't offer them the job that other teams can't, right? I mean, he's, he's essentially our de facto offensive coordinator. And so you're really just hiring an offensive assistant. And so I, I wonder if those guys, the, the young Sean McVay's, as they're coming up as offensive coaches in this league, look at the Rams and say, yeah, I can't take that position because it's, too, it, it's handicapped too much for me to really enjoy it. The second aspect of that, and this was what was surprising to me about LaFleur leaving after just one year, was Sean McVay went through this himself with Washington, right, under Jay Gruden where he was an offensive mm -hmm. coordinator for two years that didn't call plays and then got the mic in his third year. And I, I wonder if to what degree there was a discussion of that between Lafleur and McVay to say, you know, I, I'd like where McVay said, I'd like to call plays one more year. Let's talk about how I can hand you those duties and a timeline that makes sense for that. And, and just why it didn't end up mirroring what happened to McVay in Washington. I just, I just wonder if it's one of those things where, is Sean McVay maybe, and especially we I mean, we got to see how the season plays out, right? If the Rams' offense, you know, 
improves and the Rams have a great run in the playoffs, it renders some of this moot. If they struggle and maybe there's a regression, it's going to amplify these questions more. You know, we're speculating so early at this. But I do wonder if maybe he's gripping those play calling duties too tightly and, 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 and to what degree that's hampering the other things he needs to do as a head coach. Um, just open speculation, but it's one of those things where I wonder, you know, you look around the league, there's other offensive coaches that delegate play calling duties, just like Jay Gruden did to, to Sean McVay and, and the degree that that helped the Washington offense and helped Kirk Cousins. Um, just open the speculation. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I think McVay definitely feels like he's, he's an attentive, you know, he's an offensive coordinator and it, it, it makes me kind of wonder, um, is he always going to want to call plays? You know, I know we had this, this, this idea, and I think it definitely was floated in the press that he would do it for a couple of years. But what if in the back of his mind, he's like, no, I always want to call plays. Sure. And that, that's just how he wants to be as a coach. And then in one way, it's like, okay, well, then that's just going to really change um, how the hiring process goes of getting, getting an offensive coordinator going in because they're going, hey, listen, you're not going to be a prototypical offensive coordinator with the Rams. Exactly. You're going to be, exactly. you know, you're going to have a different role. And what is that role? And I think we're kind of seeing that with, with this hire of, of these kind of hybrid offensive coordinator positions. You know, it seems experimental, but, um, you know, it also seems like it's necessary with the way that McVay is coaching is coaching the team because I think he's a different coach than Jay Gruden. And I think Jay Gruden allows a little bit of, um, of, of other input of, of other creativity in the plays, but it feels like McVay's the type of guy that's just waking up at the middle of the night thinking about plays. Sure. And I think, I think that's what kind of is, is, is the heartbeat of, of who he is as, as a coach. And I like that. I think that's great. So if, if that's how he is a coach, awesome. Because, you know, you look at other coaches like Jason Garrett, and that guy just feels more like he's the motivational speaker guy, and he lets the other sure. coaches do their thing. Yep. But he's he's not really, I don't think, dreaming up a lot of those plays. And that's just that's how he is the coach. But I don't think that's McVay. Right. Yeah. Get some sleep, coach. So, it, the play. The, there's plenty of time to design plays. Get your sleep. Um, this one, <laughs> C underscore Dez five fifty five. As for a surprise cut projection, I, I don't necessarily know that I've got names that I could use to satisfy that. Here's what I would say. The, the Rams have a bunch of wide receivers. They got a bunch of linebackers, yeah. and they have a bunch of defensive linemen. Y- yes, at the top, you know, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, they're safe. And Michael Brockers, Dominican, Sue Aaron Donald, they're safe. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if we get some surprise cuts out of those positions, if only because – Depth rotation is always a fungible thing, and you got a new coach. Some of these guys that have been there since the, excuse me, the Jeff Fisher era, Sean McVay doesn't owe them. He's, a, you know, I, I get the idea that like Sean Mannion doesn't necessarily have a lot of competition for backup quarterback, but Sean McVay wasn't around. He he didn't have input on some of these guys, right? At wide receiver, defensive line, and linebacker. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some changes there among the depth that surprises people. I had. Who did I have not making the team when I did my 50s? I had somebody in there, and everybody was like, wait a second. Why would they get rid of – I think it was Morgan Fox um, or Matt yeah, Longacre, yeah, yeah, one of the yeah. two. And people got surprised, and uh-huh. I was like, guys, this, you know, Sean McVay might get in the cut, and Wade Phillips might get in there and say, you know what? 
I, I really like Trevin Young. I really like Justin Lawler. And I, I don't think that it would be all that bad of a thing. It may be surprising, but I, I don't know that it would be yeah. all that uh, shocking on the merits. Is there anybody that you feel or uh, a similar kind of position issue that you feel might be surprising when we get to 53-man cuts? Well, I think it's really going to be about the secondary. I, I'm really – I think the, with the way we address the stuff on the draft with the um, sets of line and the linebacking core – now I'm looking at the secondary. I'm looking at the at the safeties in particular. Mm. They brought in a lot of undrafted free agents, and yeah. you have you have one you know one guy for sure in Lamarcus Joyner, and then you have Cody Davis being um, he, he's gone. So yeah. you have the, you have these other dudes, and um, you know you, you have you have, you have the, the draft pick out of uh, it, was, it was TCU, right? Um, Traven Howard was it yeah. was it Young? Howard? No, Howard. Um, yep. Okay, so. So I think he could he could maybe make um, you know someone expendable. Um, sure. You know, so I, I I think we could we could lose some some guys out of the, out of the secondary. I don't know. Um, I mean, do, do we really think Troy Hill is going to stay? Probably, but I could see yeah. him getting cut. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting when you talk about the back end of the roster is a lot of time. I know we list these guys at their positions but they don't really play the positions. They're just there for special teams, right? So I, I do wonder to what degree when you get some of that churn from the special teams guys, maybe 46 to 53 on the roster, we might list, you know, Traven Howard or Justin Lawler or uh, Jim Demby as a guard or a linebacker, but really they might just be in there because Fossil loves them on special teams and he's going to have some input on the back end of this roster. One thing uh, C-Des did note in his question, was the second half of it fans hoping for more production from Brandon cooks and Sammy Watkins and breakout years for Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Is there enough ball to go around? And the answer is no, <laughs> there's no, there's no <laughs> right. way. And that, and that was, and that was the thing with Sammy Watkins was there just wasn't a ton of opportunity. Now he didn't necessarily excel, especially when Bre- uh, Robert Woods went out. Remember he got injured for a couple games in the middle of the schedule. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's just no way that you can get uh, Brandon cooks, to you know, twelve hundred yards and maintain production for Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and get breakout years for Gerald Everett, whom I love. It's one of those things where what it, the expectation game is really what's driving things. It, it, and again, if the Rams have one of the best offenses in the NFL, if they're top five in yards, if they're top five in scoring, does it does it really matter that we don't have you know a top fantasy football guy on the offense? I don't know that it matters to me. I do wonder if it matters to some fans. And by the time we got to this offseason, it was obvious when it came down to Sammy Watkins, a lot of people feel really strongly about production needing to matter when you talk about the value of guys to this offense. Yeah, and he wasn't giving the numbers, too. So I find that argument kind of strange, you know? Like, he, yeah. he wasn't a big fantasy guy. He felt like he should be. And I sure. think that's kind of where people were putting a lot of their hopes and dreams on him being this kind of um, Antonio Brown-type type player and it turns out that Robert Woods was a much bigger factor in the offense than we thought at the beginning of the season and let's go with that let's go with Brandon Cooks also um you know getting getting a lot of uh of looks and Cooper Cup I look at you know guys like Tyler Higby as um right now a disappointment and I don't know how how much I'm really kind of pinning my hopes on him being the starting tight end or one of the starting tight ends to me, I, I want to put a lot more um, playing time with Gerald Everett. And I think he can be the guy. And I mean, I'm not giving up on Tyler Hickby, but 
I just I, I feel like he just disappeared in games. I feel like you know, oftentimes just it just didn't even feel like he was playing out there. And um I, I, I don't think we need to when we're talking about what the offense is, I mean I'm not gonna be throwing out Tyler Higby's names as part of the personality of the offense. Um to me I, I'm looking more at, at a guy like Josh Reynolds, seeing him develop. I don't know if he can get the ball enough. If you're saying are there enough balls then you know that might be hard for him to develop unless someone gets hurt. But um, I really like Reynolds' game and um, the, the the flashes that he showed this past sure. season or even in the preseason made me feel like you know he could be good. I know Coach Bazet really likes Mike Thomas, um, but I don't even know. I mean, he had that whole four game suspension last year. But if he has a full season this year, is he going to get some playing time? And you know, I guess the answer goes well not with Brandon Cook. You know, we got. You got a lot of guys, so maybe Mike Thomas would get cut. Wouldn't be all that shocking. So we had a question from Dennis Duoli on Twitter. We answered most of those, talking about replacing Cody Davis at safety, Everett starting over Higby, talked about the coaching changes, Greg Olson and Zach Taylor. Last question came from Nicholas Zillig, Cinebro12. I don't know yeah, if that's Cinebro. like Cinnabon or Cinnamon Bro. Uh, cinema bro i feel like you're cinema bro you're the you're the official cinema bro of pst let me get to that in a second we'll talk about the movies in a second here's this question is winning the super bowl yep. a choice I, I don't know that i understand that question but i like it is winning the super bowl a choice what, what's interesting to me is that it sets up the the main crux of this season that it, it it's really a super bowl it, it feels like a super bowl or bust season i i do wonder how much people are going to shudder at that question as we get closer because like you said it sets up the idea that anything less than a super bowl championship is a, is a failure but it, it, it is what it is man the, the roster is that good and, and they're set up to do it what do you think is winning the super bowl a choice joey i think that yes but it's i, I think so much about the NF, the nfl is coming up with an excuse of why things turned out you talk to any fan, especially like the East Coast guys, right? You talk to like a diehard Patriots fan or diehard, you know, uh, Redskins or whatever. And they always, if they didn't win that year, it's always like, well, you know, X, Y, and Z happened. And that's why we didn't win. And but otherwise they would have you know, won. Obviously. Yeah, totally. You know, and especially like, you know, how many conspiracy theories you have to hear about Tom Brady all the time. And, it's either why another team lost or why the Patriots didn't lose or whatever. So sure. I think that, you know, is it, is it a choice? I think it's, to me, it's like launching a rocket ship. And you always have the good intentions, but a lot of times weather happens, something <laughs> weird breaks or whatever. But it's a lot of luck happens when a team wins the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles, if you played last season 10 times, are they going to win 10 times out of 10? Right. No, right. They won, and that's great. But it wasn't like they blew every team out fifty to nothing, and they were like, "Well, of course they won." And we, we give so much credit to when a team wins, but a lot of times there's so many, so many factors in it. So to me, I want the team to play hard. I want them to um, to just be a like an exciting, great team to watch that makes me kind of go, "I love these guys," and I'm emotionally invested in it. That's why I'm going to be happy is, is that if I feel like they did everything, they left it all on the field, and if stuff goes down, guys get hurt, or some weird anomaly happens in the season that we're going to complain about all offseason, fine, whatever, that happens. But 
I don't know if it's so much a choice that it's so much of just a circumstance of winning. What an awesome season this is going to be. It's going to be so much damn fun. Joey, I mentioned the idea that you're the, the resident cinema bro at TST. Uh, have yeah. you seen Infinity War? Have you seen Infinity War yet? I did. I did. I, I saw it on uh, Thursday night, the opening night or whatever. Um, and uh, we no saw the spoilers. Like, I haven't you know, seen it yet, like, and we got listeners that uh, have seen no I spoilers. I won't spoil it. I will All just right. talk about the experience of um, the arc light in Hollywood is, is this kind of, I guess, like the premium theater in L.A., and right. it's so much fun to go on that Thursday opening night because everybody's just excited and they're primed for the movie. So you get all the gasps and you get all the big reactions. And this is fun. I, I mean, I like the Marvel movies, but I'm not like a guy that's like, you know, gets really emotional and like mad about it. Um, I didn't read comics as a kid. I like watch movies as a kid. So if a movie was based off a comic, I would try to get familiar with it, but I haven't like read like an Iron Man comic, you know? So I don't know sure. the story so much. Of, of course, when people like explain like, Oh, this is why you should care. That, that's fine. Um, I have a, a you, you, not with this movie, but um, my wife helps out writers get credits for movies. So it'll be like a big Marvel movie until we'll have to read all the screenplays and then help them make an argument for, um, you know, why they should get credit. So oftentimes I'll, I'll read, you know, read the scripts, and then I'll even read the um, the comic books based off it, just to see what starts and what what isn't. And that's just interesting, just because you can see like, oh, does it does this comic book story make a good movie? And with with the Infinity Wars, I don't think so much of it was based totally on the comics. There was some surprises. I'll just leave it at that. But um, it's a long movie, and but it's also I think a really satisfied movie. I think. It's it's um, almost you could compare it to the experience that people had with uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, which I kind of feel like was the last movie like everybody saw and had an opinion on. And I feel like I was surprised and a little disappointed that people came out of the last Star Wars movie, um, you know, disappointed. I know some people are like I hate it, and like you know they started these petitions and these boycotts. You're not getting that with the Avengers movie, so I guess that's a success or whatever. But um, I'm more of a Star Wars guy. I thought that last Star Wars movie, um, I would I would uh, hazard to say, is the best Star Wars movie, my favorite, which I know is a little bit of a hot take. But um, I loved it, thought it was great. With this Avengers movie, it was I had a lot of fun. Um, but I don't know how many times I'm going to watch it. I don't know if it's going to be something I'm going to buy in Blu-ray and kind of watch it again. I kind of found it a little bit exhausting, you know? But um, – but- I don't know. What's let me ask you this one. What's what's the best movie you've seen maybe in 2018, or even if you need to stretch back into calendar year 2017? What's what's the best movie you've seen as of late? Yeah, you know, already the beginning of 2018 has been um, been pretty strong. You know, like I thought Black Panther just blew the doors off the theater. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this is going to sound kind of weak, but I thought Paddington Two was a masterpiece. I thought that was great. Paddington 2 has gotten like, some phenomenal – I got it on my list. I, I've got a list of TV shows and movies that I, uh, I put in front of the wife every so often. And she was very confused when she saw Paddington 2. And I was like, no, you don't understand, man. People are talking about this like legit. Yeah, it's a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And if you watch it, it feels like a Wes Anderson movie. It has a lot of the, right. that sort of aesthetic and that kind of um, – 
you know how when you watch the fantastic Mr. Fox, you don't feel like you're sure. watching a kid's movie. You're watching like a, sure. an artistic, fun uh, kid's movie or whatever. And that's how I feel right. Paddington, uh, the first one and the second one. You know, Hugh Grant's in the second one. He's hilarious. You have um, uh, Brendan Gleeson, um, who, you know, is in a lot of serious stuff. He has a really great role in it. It's um, it's really fun. And another movie that I really liked, I, I wouldn't say it's like the best, but I was really happy with it, was Game Night with uh, Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams. Super fun. It has that guy, um, Landry from Friday Night Lights. Um, I always forget his name. I'll remember in a second. But um, he was in Breaking Bad. He kind of looks like Bizarro, Matt Damon. Um, oh, you talk about Kyle Chandler. Was- <laughs> no, it's talking about like you know when Friday Night Lights the, the the he's younger he was he was like the backup he was Matt Searson's like best friend he played Landry um, Jesse Plemons is his name um, oh, okay he he's kind of a weird looking guy but he's getting a lot of work right now but he steals Game Night he just takes the movie puts on his back and just runs away with it um, but as far as as you know the last I think I love Get Out I think Get Out is probably going to go down when you look at this decade of movies mm-hmm. i feel like it's that's going to be a movie that, that people are always going to bring up i, I don't think that right. movie's going to, going to get forgotten about and uh i think it should have won best picture and i think people are going to think like oh we got that wrong that should have won but uh not as if we, we haven't been, i did and it's not as if we haven't been t- talking about the sunken place as of late thanks kanye but yeah no i, I love gotta get out i thought it was phenomenal um i, I think more than anything I'm excited for what Jordan Peele's going to do, man, because he made a transition yeah. from comedy into directing and, and, and just working a concept out that could have gone really, really, really badly. Like that was a, it, it, in terms of like the idea of a movie, there's a lot of ideas for a movie that obviously they're going to work. That one yep. could have really, really, really not worked. And so, you know, in terms of yep. making that happen, I was impressed. I just want to point out, this is a Rams podcast. There's not another Rams podcast yep. where you get this kind of depth of cinematic discussion and i'm sure people are loving it let's close this out joey uh as we go through the summer um we obviously got the off-season schedule i mentioned rookie mini camp coming next week and then we get into phase three otas mandatory mini camp uh are you heading out for any practices once we get to training camp are you going to be on site this year you know i have a plan to my only issue is uh, my wife's having a baby like the end of july so Baby Joey. I don't, I, I don't know if I could bring the newborn to Irvine if we could hang out in the beer tent. Work. Um, yeah. But we'll see how that, how that breaks down. You know, I live pretty close, not, I mean, not pretty close, but close enough to, to, to Thousand Oaks. So that's easier to kind of get to, but um, right. I definitely want to get to a couple. Cause I went to a, a couple last year, um, the training camps and the accessibility is, uh, is really great. Good. You know, you really yep. get up close. You really get yep. to see the practices. I went to the first practice of Sammy Watkins when he first joined the team, and it was just right. really good just, just to get up there and, you know, just to kind of see how they talk to these players and um, and, and, and to see. At that point, Jared Goff was, had a lot of question marks. So sure. I was just – I was just wanted to see him throw the ball and to see Cooper Cup and these guys catch it. You know, that, to me that was like, is this going to work? sort of curiosity and Joey O'Connor um, everybody I'd love to do that again I know you will we'll get there LA Rams 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 on Twitter to follow Joey do it good guy good stuff thanks for coming on Joey uh thanks for having me Joe
I'll call you in a couple of weeks, man. We'll talk it up. Um, All right, sounds good. That's about it. Getting into the off season, man. Let's do it. Super Bowl of bust. Get your mind right. Trash Show Radio, 3K. We out. Jackie and I'm starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scoffs. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to Jackson. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty. But we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood handsome, Dodge City tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Zeta. Nobody dresses Twitter. But under this cool is a quarterback with Twitter. I come from the end, looking for the sacks. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. What they told me and I like the block I'm quick off the line as I can be Cause I don't want dick running over me This is baby face and I don't yield I'm a Texan fool on the football field From the Jersey Shore to Baboa Bay If you run at me, you'll have a bad day Kids are being on speedball brand Thanos just wants friends If somebody was just nicer to him when he was a kid We wouldn't have had to do any of this When it rains, hit the lanes Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters. Regional grocery stores we love. Tennessee Batman. Homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts, or coaches making terrible decisions, or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.